Podcast. This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Hello. Howdy. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, got a gal in episode 52. Wow. <laughs> oh, Paul, not gonna lie, I think that reference predates our time frame of our show just a little bit. Sure does, but what can you do? Say, fellas, I was making my way through the world today, and I gotta tell you, it took everything I got. And I got to thinking to myself, you know, taking a break from all my worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Uh, sometimes, you know, I just get to thinking sometimes that... Sometimes you want to go <laughs> where everybody knows your name. And aren't you all glad you came to join us on this episode? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, if you missed our last episode, you should really check it out when the gang and I talked about the cult classic TV series slash western slash space show Firefly. You can find that in all of our podcast episodes at www.datingourselvespodcast.com on iTunes, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. I actually found mine on the Serenity. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Not in a brown coat? <laughs> oh, Mal had it in his brown coat. I see. <laughs> well, we really appreciate our listener support, and we'd like to share some kind words left by one of those listeners on iTunes about our show. If you'd like to leave us a five-star written review on iTunes or any other podcast listening platform, we would definitely love to read it on air as a way to say thanks. So here's this week's five-star review. It's from Big Damn! Or Big Dom, maybe? (laughs) That's probably more like it. (laughs) It says, Good stuff. Do yourself a favor and listen to this podcast, which will bring you back in touch with your inner child from the 80s and 90s. It's so good. Funny, thorough. I can't say enough good. Well, thank you, Big Dom! (laughs) Five-star reviews are always encouraged, and be sure to tell your friends about dating ourselves. So let's get started. This week, I'm going to be leading a discussion on Cheers, (laughs) one of the most beloved sitcoms of all time. It stinks! (laughs) Wow! (laughs) Well, that's another beloved sitcom. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, even though it's January 2020 now, this is our last episode of our 2019 season. Next time, we'll start fresh with some new and exciting stuff for y'all. But for now, Brian, tell us about the place where everyone knows you. Yeah, so um, Cheers is a American sitcom series. It was a, a fairly long-lived series, lasted for 11 seasons, comprised of 275 total episodes, um, each about a half hour long. Uh, it aired initially in September of 1982 uh, and, and came off air uh, in 1993. So, um, very long run. Is it safe to say that outside of The Simpsons, this was probably the longest sitcom of our younger generation or younger years? 
Probably. I, I would really have to give it some thought. I'd put it up there. Because most of the longer-running series that I remember from our childhood were more like dramas and stuff like that. Like the X-Files and uh, NYPD Blue and... What's the one that's uh, What's the one that's still on right now? Um, CS, not CSI, no, uh, (laughs) that for sure. But uh, the the other cop show, uh, Law and Order. Oh, Law and Order. Yeah, I think they're on like their twenty first or twenty second season or something like that now. So yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. But yeah, so it's been it's been around for uh, it was around for a long time, um, and people still very fondly remember it. Looking back on it now, there's a lot of things that kind of feel cheesy and hokey but a lot of those things started for the first time ever on this show so um mm-hmm. it was created by james burroughs glenn charles and les charles um yeah i mean just very briefly cheers is i guess about friendships and relationships developing between people that share a common place together and kind of the the memories around that place kind of brings them closer and things like that so um <laughs> The theme song from Cheers, a song called Where Everyone Knows Your Name that Adam uh, so politely interjected earlier, um, (laughs) is, um, I think, really kind of encapsulates and captures that whole sentiment, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's, I mean, it's such an iconic song. Like, anybody that was around in that era, you just start singing a few little bars of that and everyone knows the lyric especially the chorus yeah would immediately start singing the chorus along with you oh definitely i always think of the simpsons parody flaming moes oh Oh, sure sure well what's really funny about it too is it kind of reminds me of the friends theme song in that everyone knows the friends theme song the second you hear it but everyone Mm -hmm. knows like the intro version but there's like a whole version with verses and choruses and everything like that that like make no sense at all and this song is very similar to that (laughs) there's like a whole like a whole assortment of other instruments and like lyrics and things like that that just make no sense at all but the ones that they kept for the show are, are, you're just kind of sitting there like don't know this part don't know this part yeah. everybody knows your name <laughs> nailed <Yeah>. it <laughs> yeah there's some stuff in there about like having a cross-dressing relative and huh. a friend of yours is in jail and like all sorts of stuff like that and it's like yeah that doesn't really isn't really part of the song but i think one of the <laughs> coolest lines of the song that's in the intro you know, you want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. I always think that that's a cool line because it kind of shows mm-hmm. that community, you know, like no matter how different we all are in our day-to-day lives, we all kind of deal with the same things. So I always thought that was really cool. Um, the guy's name was Gary Portnoy. He co-wrote the song and performed it. Um, no relation, to, relation Mi- to Mike no, Portnoy? I was just about to say that. No relation to Mike Portnoy at all. So. Oh. Both are from Long Island, though, so I mean, it, it was worth a shot. But um. could, you imagine, could you imagine a Mike Portnoy version of this song? It'd, it'd be twenty minutes long. It would have one hundred and thirty-seven time measure changes. That would be amazing. 
So, um, yeah, so cheers. Um, the story is about this bar in Boston. It's actually based on a couple different real life Bostonian bars. Uh, the Bull and Finch is actually, um, so all the outside shots that they get, both in the intro and like during different transition scenes, that's from Bull and Finch. And then Three Cheers is actually what the bar itself is, is modeled on. Okay. So, yeah. The original cast is um, Sam Malone was played by uh, none other than Ted Danson, and he was a retired baseball player. He was a relief pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. He went by Mayday Malone back in those days. Um, He was a decent pitcher, but he had a long string of alcoholism during his athletic days, and so he has given up drinking, but owns the bar Cheers. So a lot of times you'll see him drinking coffee and things like that or like mineral water, um, but he's always around people that are always drinking and having a good time and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He In was these- my hero my freshman year of <laughs> high school because he dropped out of high school to play baseball and then became a quote-unquote successful uh, businessman owning a bar. Yeah, And I was like, if Sam Malone can do it, I can. And that is so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, and back in those early episodes, too, like the probably the first four or five seasons, his whole character, he was like a babe hound. Um, so he would just like chase after every girl. And because he was a former baseball player and he's Ted Danson, so he's, you know, a pretty attractive guy. And because, you know, in the 80s, women's parts and sitcoms were so throwaway um, <laughs> that basically that was the whole reason they were on screen anyway, was to be like an object of his attraction, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but he... They changed that over time they with this did. show, though. They I feel did. like this Big was time. one of the first shows, at least in the sitcom form, to eventually have major women characters like, uh, you know, Diane, um, Carla... Yeah, mm-hmm. Re- Rebecca. There, there's a bunch Rebecca. of big ones. Mm-hmm. So Diane is the next character. Um, she was played by Shelley Long. And we'll kind of talk about the pilot in just a moment and kind of what that relationship turns into for, for Sam and Diane. It's, it's a very, uh, as Facebook would say, complicated one. Um, <laughs> but D- Diane is a kind of the opposite of Sam. So Sam is this, you know, very handsome, very athletic, but typical jock not very smart guy who runs this bar and she is a graduate student at i think boston university and um you know she's studying psychology she's uh, from a home in connecticut that's very into opera and ballet and poetry and things like that so couldn't be more different than sam and that kind of puts them at odds a little bit because Sam's not used to not getting all the girls to pay attention to him. And so that kind mm-hmm. of creates a uh, an interesting arc for the first uh, five or six seasons. You were going to say something. Oh, I was just going to say, if I remember correctly, wasn't she a like a, a literature major or something like that? It changes multiple times through the show. So yeah, she oh. did. She was a literature major. She was a psychology major, which is how her and Fraser kind of get set up at one point. Um, then eventually, she becomes a writer, doesn't she? Yes. So that's actually ended up how they wrote her off the show. Is Shelley Long, the actress, was pursuing um, more movies and couldn't take the the weekly sitcom rigmarole anymore so um they eventually How'd wrote that her work out for her? 
Um, <laughs> I'm not, I don't. I'm not trying to be like of, a yeah, jerk I don't or anything. Any I of really... her movies, so I don't think it went as well as like Ted Danson, for example, with his uh, Three Men and a Baby, and because he's on CSI too, and he's currently on um, the, the Good, good place. place. Yeah, the Good yep. Place. Yep. Um, he had like so, a ten-year run on Becker too. Becker was great. Um, oh yeah. There's another show that he did as well that was really good, and I, I'm I'm blanking um, on what it, it is. The... Uh, shoot, what was it called? I don't think he's ever been out of work. Like, I can't ever think of a period in my life when he wasn't on TV and something. Yeah. Yeah. He he was on the Fargo TV series recently. That's what I was like thinking with, of, Fargo. Yep. the last couple of years. <laughs> yep. Uh, the, the one I was trying to remember was Bored to Death, uh, that HBO series with uh, Jason... Jason Schwartzman and Zach Galifianakis. I have not seen that. That sounds hilarious. It was pretty good. I think, uh, if I remember correctly, it was about a writer uh, that pretends to be a private detective mm-hmm. to, like, get stories for his writing. Mm, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Also, strangely enough, he was in Beastie Boys Make Some Noise and Beastie <laughs> Boys Fight for Your Right Revisited. <laughs> Probably That's not the crazy. right point to interject, but my favorite movie role of his is Creep Show. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that either. <laughs> You've never seen Creep Show? No. Oh, I don't think I have either. It's an anthology movie that was directed by George Romero. And that says uh, everything it I need its, to know. <laughs> it gets its, uh, gets its name from... It was a comic book series similar to Tales of the Crypt. Mm-hmm. And the format is very similar. And it's just... It's a four-part anthology movie where it's just a bunch of, like, scary stories. And uh, Ted Danson um, is a womanizer who or a homewrecker who breaks up Leslie Nielsen's marriage. And Whoa. Leslie Nielsen uh, buries him and his wife up to their head at the beach uh, and then watches on camera as the high tide comes in and drowns them. Whoa. Wow. And that's, that's... not where the spooky part comes from. <laughs> yeah, don't don't, don't give it all away because I'm, I'm going to watch this. I won't give it all away. That's literally like the five minutes set up at the beginning. Wow. Oh, wow. But it was a very out there role for him and I always loved it. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Really interesting. I love Ted Danson. I, I think he's just so terrific. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Um, so, so yeah, as we mentioned, so Sam and Diane were kind of the two main characters. But then the ensemble from these first um, two or three seasons, you got Coach Ernie Pantuzo, who was yeah. played by uh, Nicholas Colasanto. Um, and he's a former baseball coach. He used to work with Sam when he was on the Sox. He's... Kind of borderline senile, kind of dim-witted. During his days where he played baseball, he was known for um, forcing the pitchers to hit him with a ball, particularly <laughs> in the head. Um, oh. And he would like challenge Diane and other bar patrons to like throw a ball at him and try not to hit him, and he would always find a way for them to hit him. Um, <laughs> yeah. He had some amazing one-liners, and I wish I would have taken more notes on these down, but he took everything that everyone said extremely literally. Um, he's probably my favorite character just because he just says absolutely ridiculous stuff, and the timing is just so perfect. Um Carla Tortelli, um, she's played by Rhea Perlman. She is probably the head waitress at Cheers, and she is a 
crazy ass person. <laughs> um, she's <laughs> she's supposed to be born and raised in the city in Boston. Um, she's got anywhere from four to seven kids, depending on where you are in the series. She doesn't take shit from anybody. Um, she's got a lot of wisecracks and one-liners too, but she's also got like a real tough side. So like if you pick on her or in a lot of cases, if you pick on Sam because she's such a big Boston sports fan, you know, she'll she'll kick your ass. So mm-hmm. you also have the two bar flies, the most uh, regular <laughs> of regulars. You have Norm Peterson and Cliff Clavin. So Norm Peterson is played by none other than George Went. Uh, When the show starts, he is a CPA, very boring job. He always wears these drab brown suits, like tweed jackets and stuff like that. Um, And he just sits down at the bar in the corner spot on the bar. He's got his particular stool he sits at, and uh, they just feed him beers all the time. And talk about about good one-liners. Much like uh, Coach, Norm was really adept at coming up with some great one-liners when he'd come in as paul alluded to uh his he was always greeted with a hearty norm from all the patrons yep. and then he and then he would always have some sort of retort that goes along with it yep so like uh for example i remember one um i think it was a season when when woody harrelson was on the show and he's like What's up, Mr. Peterson? He's like, well, my cholesterol, you know, like <laughs> it's always it's always stuff like that. Um, we're well, like one I saw uh, or one I remember was uh, it's a dog eat dog world and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just got so many good ones. Um, and then Cliff Clavin, actually. So he's played by John Ratzenberger, uh, the same guy who plays Ham in all of the Toy Story movies. Um, He is a USPS postal worker, and he is the bar know-it-all. So really funny is both of George Wendt and John Ratzenberger were not initially part of the cast. It was just these four main characters, um, and they were brought on Norm pretty much after like episode two or three, and then Cliff was brought on um, either at the end of season one or beginning of season two. And the way that he kind of uh, convinced the writers that he should be on there you know, he was born and raised in Connecticut, and he said, you know, every every New England bar has a bar know-it-all. And so that's actually how what his character became. You know, he was just a, an extra with maybe a couple speaking lines, and he became the guy that had facts about everything. And most of them were not actually true, you know, but... It was back in the day where, um, you know, the bar bets were a thing, you know, we didn't Mm -hmm. have cell phones with internet and things on them. So you couldn't just fact check people at any time. So you had to kind of take people's word on those types of things, which leads to a lot of really interesting plot points. And it's kind of sad that those aren't plot points that can happen in real life anymore. But Mm -hmm. um, I have a great cliff quote that I love and I don't know why. So, uh, Cliff's in at the bar, and um, I forget how it came up, but he's like, "The Hindus believe that when you co- or that what you come back as depends on your behavior in this life. If you led a good life, you come back in an elevated state." And then Coach goes, "Like Colorado." <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a perfect example of a uh, of a coach line. Um, he he's just so terrific. Carla made love to a PhD from MIT, and then Coach says, "Hey, look, you guys! If you can't say it in front of me, don't say it at all." 
What was Carla's husband's name? Uh, so Nick Tortelli is her husband in the show. Uh, he was played by uh, Dan uh, Hedea, I think is how you say his name. He was also in the spinoff show, The Tortellis, uh, as well as he was the, the father in Night at the Roxbury. Okay, um, he's, he's been in a lot of things. Oh, he's yeah, a, very a ton of things. Rec- he's one of those actors that you see him and you know him instantly, but you might not know his name. Yeah, I don't know if he has a happy face ever. Like, I don't know if he's capable. <laughs> Even when he smiles, this is kind of like a, I'm done. I I, I really want to go home. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was the accountant in the Adams family too, right? The I think movie? so. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think so. yeah. He also was in uh, Rookie of the Year, uh, yep. the the baseball movie. He was oh, the, yeah yeah. He was kind of the crude dude that was trying to take over the team. Yep, I remember. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so um, so the pilot, um, for a lot of sitcoms, the pilot is kind of the make or break how a network decides if they want to invest in, in creating a full season out of a show or not. Um, and typically they feel very disjointed from what the rest of the series is. And I, I feel with Cheers that wasn't necessarily the case. So the pilot was called Give Me a Ring Sometime which is a, a little bit of a double entendre um, because that's kind of Sam's like pickup line, you know, hey, babe, call me sometime, give me a ring. But in this episode, Diane comes in with her, uh, one of her professors, and apparently the two of them are engaged. So um, they're going to get married and he needs to do something. I feel like he needs to like clear something with his ex-wife or something like that before they leave to like Bora Bora or something crazy like that to go get married. He asks her to just wait in the bar while he takes care of that. And uh, he never comes back. She's really devastated, obviously, and she doesn't know what she's going to do. And um, she's standing near Carla and Carla keeps getting all these drink orders wrong. And she just rattles off like verbatim what the drink orders are supposed to be. And that's when it clicks with Sam that like, holy crap, this Diane has an amazing memory. She would be a really great waitress. And from there, that's kind of where she ends up working at the bar now. As I kind of alluded to earlier, there's this chemistry between the two of them where Diane feels she's kind of better than Sam because he's a big like, you know, knuckle dragging meathead. And she's, you know, very sophisticated and cultured. And there's a lot of really, I think, pretty kind of cute, adorable romance that goes on between the two of them. There's also some stuff that that has not aged well over the years. Um, There's a couple episodes in particular where they where she slaps Sam for being like, you know, a chauvinist pig or whatever. And then he slaps her back. And it goes back and forth and back and forth for like a full five minutes. And it's like, boy, domestic violence has never looked so good, you know? Like, geez. <laughs> and that was, uh, I. so I know Brian went back and rewatched Cheers like over the summer. And when he was talking about it, it got me interested in watching it again because I hadn't seen it since like the original airings and stuff. And I was never a, like a super big fan of it because we were fairly young when it was on its original run. Yeah, I was to say it like, ended in 93. So we were what, six, seven? Six, seven. Yeah. yeah. 
It was uh, the show I had to watch before I could watch Wonder Years and The Simpsons. I was going to say, it was <laughs> yep. usually what was on, yeah, when that's what my folks were watching on Thursday nights or whenever it was. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as we were getting ready for bed, it would be on in the other room while we were brushing our teeth and stuff. So I, I yeah, go on, Adam. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. So uh, what I was saying, though, is that, um, you know, going back and rewatching it and stuff like that, uh, like you said, you know, they're flirtation and stuff like that was very playful you know when it was this flirtation and stuff like that and then kind of in season two i think it is when they actually kind of start to develop the storyline that'll lead to them ultimately getting together for the first time uh it gets really like stops being playful and like both of them start getting really mean, yeah. And even up to the point where they like kiss for the first time, they're like calling each other horrible things and having like a pretty bitter fight between the two of them. And then all of a sudden they start kissing, and it's like, yeah, this doesn't seem toxic at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I'm sure this is how all, you know, really good relationships, really stable relationships start. <laughs> well, at one point in time, wasn't it season three where she has a mental breakdown and then Sam goes back to alcoholism? Um, I, I think so. And I, I'm trying to remember all the specifics because, you know, with 270 plus episodes, it's hard to keep the timeline straight. But she does end up going to a... Um, <laughs> a holiday site if you will um and she uh yeah uh I th- that may actually be where she meets fraser if i'm not mistaken <sighs> i can't remember now but um but yeah sam does go back to drinking and then because of that that she comes back to the bar because she feels bad about his situation um it gets really crazy because the two of them have this sexual tension they get together, they break up, they get back together, they get pretty serious, they then break up, she then starts dating Frasier, she's going to marry Frasier, and then she doesn't, and then Sam proposes, and then she says no, and then Sam proposes a second time on a boat, and she says no again, and like I, I feel like she falls off the boat and he doesn't bring her back in or something. I can't remember all the details, but it's, it's absolutely insane. Like the arc that their relationship goes on. And <laughs> I feel like a lot of it, like the idea of it initially, like the handsome Casanova guy meets his match and he can't get this one girl and how that plays out, I think is interesting. When you move into like seasons four and five and Diane realizes that she's lost Sam and, you know, she's turned down his proposals twice now and then she's like madly in love with him. That isn't a good look. (laughs) I I don't think that that's a very compelling story at all. And Sam's like, please leave me the hell alone. Oh, I know you're saying that, but you really love me. It's like, no, seriously, I proposed to you twice and you treated me like garbage. Like, seriously, leave me alone. Um, It's just, it's not a very good look. And I think that's probably why Shelley Long eventually moved on to other things. But that's all speculation. So, yeah, that's, that's fair. That, yeah, it definitely you know the the show definitely represented a very different time as far as like courtship and stuff like that and uh yeah yeah it's just it's it's weird going back and rewatching it 
because uh, these things that would have seemed so normal back then, now you look at it, it's like, hmm, that's the direction you went with, huh? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, and like for the time that this was made, like a lot of these things were really cutting edge and what would be considered yeah. really progressive. So there was an episode, for example, where one of Sam's old baseball buddies had written a book and they were going to do like a um, televised interview with him and Sam offers to have them do that in the bar. And he's like, all right, Sam, well, thank you so much. You know, read the book before I come. Like, it would really mean a lot to me if you did that. Sam's busy. He forgets to read the book, tells the guy he reads the book, says he loves it, whatever. Well, in the book, he comes out and says that he's gay in the book. Mm -hmm. And Sam had no idea. Sam is like, oh, my God, like, I had no idea. But, like, you've always been my friend, so it's really not that big of a deal to me. Like, you're still always going to be who I've always known you to be. Whereas, like, the rest of the bar is like, oh, here we go. Now this place is going to be a gay bar. Now that this thing has been written up in the paper and is on TV. And, you know, they're trying to figure out who the gay couples are and who are just, like, you know, two guys just hanging out. And it's really cringy. It's really, really cringy. It um, is. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's hard to watch in, in 2019. Or I guess now it's 2020. Um, it, yeah, did not age well. I always yeah. try and look at that stuff, though, in the, in the eyes of the times. Sure. And we, we've talked about this in other ways, and I kind of look at that as the writers trying to do it right. Yeah, in, oh, in, I in agree. The, in the era, it definitely does not come off right when you're looking at it. Yeah. But if you look at the overall arc of the episode, I always thought they were trying to promote inclusion. It yes. just doesn't age well yeah well, well, and, they, I, and i think that's absolutely true so like for example with sam he's still friends with his friend despite this news and then the end of the episode you know you got norm and cliff and carla like trying to figure out who the, who the, the gay customers are and there's two other guys that are like with them that are like oh i bet you it's those guys over there you know but it turns out to be those two extras were actually the gay ones all along and mm -hmm. that was kind of the point of the show is you never really know who is gay, you know, like they, they could be anybody that, you know, which, you know, in 1984, whenever that episode came out was a kind of revolutionary idea. But um, but once again, it is kind of hard to watch now knowing what like where society is with, with those types of things. <clears throat> right. And, and I do think it's important to point out, too, that at no point in the episode did I ever really feel like they were negative towards the gay community or anything? The whole reason that Norm and Cliff and and uh, uh, Carla were even discussing this wasn't because of like their feelings towards homosexuality or anything. It was all based on they had had been like barflies at previous bars that had uh, similar situations that ended up becoming gay bars and they felt that they couldn't hang out at those bars anymore uh, because sure. that, you know, they were crowded and, and stuff like that. Whereas they wanted a bar kind of like cheers where they were, you know, could just sit down, have a few drinks, talk about sports and stuff like that. So I never really felt that it was like any of the characters were acting in a like biased way or anything. It, it was more of like, they wanted their spot to to stay their spot. They didn't want it to change, and they were afraid of it 
uh, becoming a really popular, like, mm. happening spot. That could it's, be. I, I, I kind of refer to, I, I like, I, I don't want to say I like to refer to it, but I, I view things like that as what I call casual homophobia. Because you're not directly being homophobic. You're, it's just the environment that you're in. And I don't want to say you don't know better, but that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, this is but, way too heavy of a topic for a sick guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, but to be fair, I, I think with this episode in particular, the way they approached it, you could really almost plug in any group as the like subject of that and it wouldn't have really changed the the situation like you could uh, like nowadays put in like hippies or something like that because it was never to them it was never about who the group was it was they were afraid of losing their bar to a big crowd where they wouldn't be able to just sit and enjoy a drink because there you know the bar would be crowded with uh, people hanging out and you know, whatever they would yeah, just be able to point. sit and talk sports and have a beer or whatever. So to to me, it was never that they never approached it in a way that seemed like they were trying to pick out one group or anything. It just happened that the subject was about a gay character, but it, it never felt like they were just picking on that community. It felt more like you could insert any group in there and it would still be kind of the same message of we don't want to lose our bar to a huge crowd of people. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I guess I can see that. Um, anyway, as Paul said, I think it's a very heavy topic. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, progress. Yeah, but I, but once again, I think Cheers like covered a lot of those things in ways that at the time was kind of revolutionary. You know, the introduction Mm -hmm. of Rebecca Howe, which we'll get to in a little bit. I mean, she was like a very driven businesswoman. In the first season that she was on the show, I want to say season six or seven, she very much is like a a kind of a, a tough character to crack, you know, a person of power. And then they kind of dilute her character a little bit to being kind of a... Uh, like a gold digger kind of, and I don't know. I, I think she that they, started they, as like the pinnacle of the yuppie movement of yes. the like early nineties. And then they sort of just rounded her out from, you know, she came on as that like powerful yuppie woman, which sounds weird, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like yeah. the, the business, the power suit and all that. And then they just sort of softened her as the show went on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, that happens with a a lot of characters, especially a a character like that where they kind of have one identifying characteristic. Uh, You you see that, like, it's almost like if a show goes on too long, that character kind of, like, they're like, okay, we can only play this character the same way so long before it starts to get kind of stale. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times they don't know what to do do with that character after they've moved outside of that and so they just kind of move uh, that character moves in a direction that would be kind of atypical for that right character type yeah definitely um so some of the early plot points of the show so we already talked about sam with the ladies and kind of how he's always chasing women down the guys from the bar love hearing about his like escapades and things like that 
Um, yeah, mo- most of the guys at, uh, or all the guys at the bar are, like, married and have family and stuff like that. So they kind of live vicariously through Sam. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and he's got this little black book with all the phone numbers and everything in it. Um, you know, and that's kind of like, it's like a national treasure, like, behind <laughs> the bar. Um Carla's kids, as well as her ex-husband, Nick Tortelli, <laughs> is kind of a reoccurring thing. Um, <laughs> she ends up getting pregnant a couple different times in the show, once with a like psychiatrist baby, and then once with um, a character named Eddie LeBlanc, who is a, f- a fictional goalie for the Boston Bruins. Um, <laughs> we'll get into him more in a little bit, because um, I think it's a... He's one of those characters that once again they didn't really know what to do with. It's 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 so bad how they like wrote his character off. But anyway, um wasn't uh, one of the running jokes with Carlos kids is that they were it was was it like they were either really like stupid or really ugly or something like that? They were all of the above and very very poorly behaved. Um you yeah. know, it was like basically like living with animals, you know. A lot of them had like criminal records, um, you know. It, it was a, <laughs> it, it was a lot <laughs> always going on. Um, I I just remember the the one in particular I remember was there was an episode where Carla, because uh, her and Diane didn't really get along early on in the series ever. And, they never and, got along. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a part in or, or there's kind of a subplot in one of the episodes where Carla kind of tricks Diane into thinking that her and Sam had hooked up before and that she had one of Sam's kids. And so, of course, Diane spills the beans to one of the regulars pretty quick. And it kind of like people kind of start laughing and she doesn't get why. And so finally, at the end of the episode, she meets the kid that supposedly is sam's and they all start dying hysterically because it's like this kid's so ugly there's no possible way that it can be <laughs> <Sam's."> <laughs> oh man <laughs> so we also got norm and cheers right so norm is basically like the mascot of cheers and he ends up losing his job in one of the seasons and he ends up being unemployed for quite a while like probably three or four seasons he doesn't have any type of stable income and they just kind of let him build a a bar tab for years basically Um, and (laughs) and then he eventually like becomes a painter which is a kind of strange departure but yeah his wife vera is a super interesting character because we never see her um, mm-hmm. at least not her face. There's a couple episodes where you'll see like the figure of a woman. There's an episode, I think it's called the Thanksgiving orphans. Um, and they're all having Thanksgiving at Carla's house and Vera comes late. And during that time, there's been a huge verbal fight that turns into a huge food fight and she catches a full pie in the face. So you literally just see like a woman from like the neck down and then her face is obviously cu- covered with a pie tin. So um <laughs> it's a it's a very Wilson-esque uh yeah, ha- like hide a face kind of deal. Some of the stuff that happens in Cheers I think is really fascinating too because you kind of forget about this stuff, you know, nowadays, but people used to call the landline looking for you. People used to take personal calls 
like on the landline of, of places like Cheers. And that's kind of a running gag pretty often that, you know, Norm's wife will call, oh, tell Vera I'm not here. You know, that kind of thing <laughs> happens all of the time. And it's, it's just so interesting because no one really thinks about that anymore. A lot of times, like... Most ever. If, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is uh, Hugh there? Last name Jess. Uh, <laughs> um, Mike? Mike Roch, check the bathroom. <laughs> Has anybody seen Mike Roch? <laughs> I think I think the huge ass one actually was when Moe's Tavern got really popular, and someone named Huge Ass was actually there and answered the phone, um, yes. if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, that's so funny. The other big thing with Norm is he loves this restaurant called the Hungry Heifer. That that <laughs> so that's kind of Norm's thing is he's obsessed with beer, he's obsessed with sports. He's like, he's like a man's man, but not in like a Sam Malone way, like in the opposite way. Like yeah. in the, he, he doesn't do any chores around the house. He doesn't uh, have any ambition at work. He literally just wants to sit around all day and eat pork rinds and beer nuts and, and, and drink a cold one. And that's his life. Um, mm-hmm. he, it's funny because of of the two characters, I think those are probably the two most popular. I think anyone that would see George Went or Ted dancing on the street would like immediately recognize them as Sam and Norm as opposed to any of the other multitude of characters they've played over the years. Um, but yeah, you, you, just saying that you made me think of something. Can you imagine how much it must have sucked back in the day when he was traveling, like? Everyone just going, Norm! Oh, I'm sure he still <laughs> yeah, gets that. I haven't heard yeah. that one before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as Cheers went on, um, we introduced some other characters. So unfortunately, uh, the actor who played Coach, Nicholas Colasanto, uh, passed away um, mid-season three. So they actually released some of the episodes out of order. And then the episodes that were going to be released after he had passed. Um, they just said that he was away. And um, they start season four with saying that Coach had passed and things like that. And his pen pal, this kid from Indiana named Woody Boyd, played by Woody Harrelson, uh, comes in. And by pen pal, they actually didn't write each other letters. They actually mailed each other pens. Um, <laughs> because that's just a... And so I think it's really really smart of the writers to have brought in somebody like a Woody Boyd character because you get the equally doofiness that coach brought but if you would have brought in another old man to do that I think it would have come off as really like insincere and kind of Mm -hmm. uh, like a caricature that you'd really don't want to do whereas bringing some guy from like you know southern Indiana I'm trying to remember what the name of the town is that he's from now um it'll come French Lick wasn't it it's not. It's not. That's uh, where all the uh, all the rival gang, or not the rival gangs, but like all the the rival farm boys are all from French Lick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so Woody um, is is a like just super naive country boy. Doesn't know anything about life in the big city, and a lot of his character is kind of based on that like it's like not really like being too trusting with people and and things like that and he also has kind of a hard time understanding things in a similar way that coach did but it's less because he was old and took so many baseballs to the head as it is just you know i'm from a small town and don't know any better 
uh, Hanover, Indiana. Hanover, Indiana yeah, is what yep. it was. Yep. Um, Fraser Crane also gets introduced um, a little bit before that, I think. Um, and he is a psychiatrist. Eventually, that character gets so popular that they did the spinoff Frasier. You know, so for some reason, that's based in Seattle. It's a show about his life and things like that. And he kind of gets introduced initially as a romantic interest for Diane. And as we already discussed, they they are going to get engaged and married and all this stuff. And then she kind of leaves him at the altar, basically. And that kind of really messes him up for a whole nother season. Um, but his character becomes so beloved and he really integrates well with the other barflies, um, even though he's from like a completely different social sphere than than cliff and norm are mm-hmm. um you sometimes also... it's nice to hang with the peasants that's right that's right <laughs> lilith sternen dr sternen is um another psychiatrist and then she and fraser end up getting together getting married having a baby named frederick uh they end up splitting up at some point because she goes into some like hibernation tube or some like pod life or something like that like a biosphere type thing with another scientist huh. and and I leaves Frasier I ever knew that yeah and she leaves Frasier during that time and they was end up working a, things up was that hmm. a cheer storyline or was that from yep. Frasier yep it's a cheer storyline so huh. <laughs> yep, they're long a, divorced when the show starts when Frasier starts yep oh okay I cause I just remember hearing. Uh, I don't know if I ever really saw much of the like Fraser era of Cheers. So what I do know about his character is mostly from the show uh, Fraser. Sure, sure. The, um, our dog growing up named Eddie was named after the dog from Fraser. So oh, uh, nice. we were we were we were fairly big fans. Um, uh, and then Eddie the scourge of knees. <laughs> that's right. And we've mentioned him on the show in the past, um, biting former bandmates and things like that, and drawing blood and all that good stuff. Um, <laughs> And then the last main character I wanted to bring up is Rebecca Howe. Um, so Rebecca Howe, played by Kirstie Alley, um, she was brought in as the new kind of female character, kind of the straight man, if you will, you know, the one who sets up the joke and someone like Cliff or Norm would deliver the punchline. And she came in at, like, she was in the boom of her career. Oh, yeah. And she almost went back. I don't want to say she went backwards because this was a starring role and it was a big role for her. But I mean, she had done Star Trek. She had done uh, Look Who's Talking. I mean, you name it. She was all over like late 80s comedies. And then all of a sudden she went to, you know, weekly television and it was kind of a weird move. And I think it helped the longevity of her career in the long run, mm-hmm. you know, especially with the syndication rights and all that stuff. But that was kind of an unknown thing. Like, it used to be, it seemed like TV was the minor leagues. Yeah. And then once you started making movies, you never looked back. And that, she literally was everywhere during this era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny how that works out because nowadays, it's almost the opposite, especially if it's on like a streaming service. So if you have like an HBO or a Netflix or an Amazon Prime show or something like that, that's almost better than a movie because a movie, you might have three hours maximum to tell a story unless you're, you know, Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're, yeah, unless you're Martin <laughs> Scorsese or you're Marvel, you know, um, other than that, you, you're kind of limited to like two hours, maybe three maximum. Whereas, you know, Game of Thrones, I mean, 
you had eight seasons or seven seasons or however long it was of one hour long episodes, multiple one hour episodes, you know, for, for years. I mean, that's, that's, you can tell so much more of a story. I mean, that, that was always the thing is people would say, oh, the book's always better than the movie. That's because you had to mm-hmm. cut out so much to hit that like 120 minute mark. But now when you have, you know, the 1200 minute mark, you have a lot more opportunity to share all those details and, and really dive into those characters a lot more than you used mm-hmm. to be able to. So I still think network television is still where it's always been though, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Well, counterpoint to that or not counterpoint, but random interjection that I will <laughs> keep brief for the sake of time. As much as I love streaming shows like the Ozarks and, um, you know, Game of Thrones, I miss days of non-linear TV where I could just turn the TV on casually oh, yeah. and watch a show and not be confused by what the hell was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly can't can only think of one or two shows currently where if you didn't start watching four years ago, you have no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And that really is unfortunate. And some shows are worse than others. Like The Walking Dead, for example, I think is like a great show, but it is the pinnacle example of if you missed last week's episode, you have no idea what's going on. Mm hmm. Yeah, um, and if you mm-hmm. missed a whole season, you're completely lost. But yeah, even just like missing an hour's worth of content, you, you might as well have not seen any of it. Yep, because you'll have no idea what's going on. And bringing you back to Cheers, uh, I mean, there are the overarching plot lines, but realistically, you could pick any episode and find enjoyment and not feel like you're missing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Seinfeld was that way. Wings was that way. Um, MASH. I mean, there's a lot of shows that are like that. Um, oh, yeah. But nowadays, yeah, they're, they're kind of few and far between. And the ones that are like that, they they just don't, they're just not as good. The, the, the writing is not as clever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the multicam thing is kind of a dated look. And a yeah. lot of those shows, especially the ones that get really popular, like um, Big Bang Theory, for example, I thought the first four or five seasons were really great. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, now all these characters are married with significant others. And part of their charm was that they were losers, you know, like that was, yeah. that was part of what made them interesting. And now they're all like settled and I don't know, it, it became a very different show. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing I, I kind of miss too, you know, kind of going back to the streaming thing, like Paul was mentioning, uh, I, I kind of miss, like, as much as I love streaming, being able to, like, binge watch an entire show, I kind of miss shows where they air, like, week by week. Uh, and, yeah. You know, like, not having it all drop at the same time. Like, that that's one thing I've really enjoyed so far with the, the Mandalorian on Disney Plus mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the new Harley Quinn show on DC Universe. They're, yeah they're dropping episodes week by week instead of all at once. And I love it. Cause it keeps you, th- you like you think about the show all week and like what happened in the last episode, what's going to happen. Yeah. It like kind of gives it, you know, it's fun to be able to binge watch, but you get that resolution to like the cliffhangers right away or, or like the storyline here. It's like, it builds again. You're like, Oh man, what's going to happen? How are they going to get out of this? Like yeah. it's really it's really great that some shows are deciding to do that again. 
Yeah, my wife and I are actually watching a few shows that are like that. So uh, The Imagineers, there's a documentary yep. series on Disney Plus that's all about the Disney parks and the, the creative minds that go into creating those parks. Oh, nice. Um, and it's a one-hour episode every week. It's it's fascinating. Uh, the Great British Bake Off or Great British Bake Show or whatever it's called is fantastic. It is the most feel-good reality TV show ever because um, you watch a lot of those like baking shows or chopped or anything like that and basically everyone's just like cutthroat cutthroat kitchen is another great example um, yeah. <laughs> and they're just trying to like you know get other people out a lot of these guys have like really big egos like oh, i'm the best chef that there is in this town the blah, blah blah we're like all these people like if they have extra time they'll go over and help people like like put little raisins on their uh, on their scones or they'll, you know, help them wipe down their counter space. And when someone gets eliminated, they all cry and hug them. And it's really, really sweet and endearing. And then the other one is a show called Explained, which is literally a random mm-hmm. topic every week. Um, yep. And they cover like all sorts of stuff from, you know, athleisure wear to cults, which I guess could kind of be the same topic, depending on who you ask. But, um, <laughs> piracy? Yeah, the one on piracy was really interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. There was one on beauty and like how our mind d- depicts that. There was one on um, how animals see the world. Uh, yeah, a lot of really interesting stuff. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think that there's something that's kind of lost when you have an entire season at your disposal. And while it's cool that you can just watch all of that on a Saturday afternoon, it's also kind of cool to come back every Wednesday or every Friday or whenever mm-hmm. the new episode posts and be able to see the new one. Like the the one right now that I'm uh, currently binge watching the new season of, absolutely fantastic show if, if uh, anybody listening hasn't watched it yet and you have amazon prime uh you need to watch the marvelous mrs mazel it is one of the best <laughs> comedies on tv oh, right is the, now is the new season out it is uh came out last week oh i didn't know that because yep. I, I finished season two a few months ago and had been had been waiting so so and i the, the new season is really good so far but you know it's only eight episodes long yeah. I think I saw the first six episodes the first two days it was out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, <laughs> that sounds so, right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a it's an amazing show, and, and it's hard to not watch all of them in a couple sittings because of how good each episode is. But you, you kind of miss, like, the one show I always think of uh, when it kind of comes to this is Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad was one of those shows where once it hit the height of its popularity, its last you know season and a half, two seasons, it, every week it was like you couldn't wait to get to work on Monday to talk about what happened uh, on Sunday night in the episode because it was like, sure. oh my god, like did you see what Walter did or did you see what happened to Jesse? And oh, it was yeah. so good. It like it, it you you miss those conversations about because now you uh, with streaming you have to really tiptoe around having a conversation if you don't know where the person's at in the season it's like right yeah oh yeah i was watching this episode last night and oh you're not there yet okay never mind i can't talk about it yet what did pablo (laughs) estabar do oh my god you don't don't tell me (laughs) so um 
So Cheers was a sitcom from the 1980s and 1990s. Um, Oh, crap. We're recording a podcast. That's right. That's right. (laughs) We're not just having beers. (laughs) This is crazy. Um, So we talked a lot about uh, Frasier and Diane. We talked a little bit about Frasier and Lilith. I actually really love uh, Lilith's character, and she is played by... B.B. Newirth, she's big on Broadway. She's been in a whole bunch of different things. I think she played Morticia in the Addams Family on Broadway. Um, you know, she's she's a huge star in her own right. Um, and she came on as a, as a recurring character for several seasons. And then they finally gave her intro credits, basically, uh, I think in season nine or ten. So, um, but she's a really funny character. I, I really enjoy her. Who are you guys' favorite characters of of the show? Paul? I, I'm a big fan of Carla. I love Rhea Perlman in everything. Yes. <laughs> I I love her wit. I love her smack talk and just the the attitude. And she's who I want to be. <laughs> she she's amazing. Yeah, she doesn't take crap take from anybody. Take that any way you want. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be five foot tall with a Brillo pad for hair. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I uh, I would have to go probably with Coach. Um, uh huh. I you know there are certain aspects where they're completely different, but for some reason he kind of reminds me of my grandpa. And mm-hmm. every time he's on, I was just kind of get this you know warm feeling that uh, you know I'm kind of seeing something of my grandpa again, uh, who yeah. passed away about ten years ago. Uh, ten years ago at this point. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's one of those things where you, you, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I remember him kind of doing stuff similar to this and, you know, my, my grandpa was not the kind of clumsy, you know, uh, simple guy that coach was, but there's certain aspects of his personality that's very similar. And it always just kind of, I, I enjoy watching his character and he's just a lovable character anyway. He's yeah. one of those people that's just so sweet and so kind and, you know, he's always willing to do, you know, go above and beyond for helping people. Yeah. There's one episode in particular that his daughter's on and um, she is dating this mm-hmm. guy and she, I think she's getting pretty serious with him, but he's like a total asshole. Yeah. And, and coach is like trying to talk her out of being with this guy. And she just feels so ugly that she has to just basically, you know, this guy at least likes me. So I kind of have to like go with him because I'm never going to find anyone else. And he has this really heartfelt monologue about how every time he looks at her, he sees her mother who passed away and things like that. And it's, it's really touching, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just earlier in that episode, you know, he like answered the phone upside down or like, you know, <laughs> just, just like just silly things like that. I mean, he, he. I don't think he has a whole ton of um, acting credits on his IMDb page, but he did have a lot of depth in, in what he was able to provide uh, to that character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I would agree. I would say the coach is probably my favorite. Um, my favorite um, recurring character who was in, I think, like two or three episodes is a guy named Andy Andy. Um <laughs> I don't know if you all remember him at all, but uh, we'll talk about him when we get to our favorite episodes. Um, And then I love Sam. I really do. And kind of as Paul and I were discussing earlier in the episode, he starts off as kind of this womanizing, you know, guy who thinks he's like 
God's gift to women. And as the show continues on, he really becomes a lot more sensitive. He really is looking out for his friends. There's a lot of times where he kind of has to admit, you know, that he's not this tough guy that he, he portrays. There's a particular episode where there's this lady that he and her every Valentine's Day will rent this like cabin or whatever and have like a, a 24 hour date and then they never see each other again until the next year. And like the day before or something, he either he either gets a hernia or he pulls his back. I think he pulls his back and he doesn't want to admit to her that he did. Um, but he's not doing all the normal studly things that he normally does like carrying her up the stairs or things like that so it's really really funny when she finally figures out that like you know and they spend the whole evening talking and and in that way all of a sudden it's like almost as you know as good if not better than every other valentine's day they had even though they never got intimate they got you know emotionally intimate instead Mm -hmm. so um i i always really liked his character there's a a scene in one episode that we'll talk about in a little bit um, for the nostalgic combat um, where actually I don't want to give too much of that away. We'll, we'll save that for now. <laughs> we'll save that for now. Um, well, let's kind of go through some of these other things. What, what are some of the other like uh, plot points that you guys remember? Some of the other tropes that, that are pretty prevalent throughout the show. Well, like every sitcom of the era, it had a locked in the closet freezer back alley episode. Yes. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it had a cut scene episode. Yep. Otherwise known as we gave a bunch of people time off. Yep. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, but it, it put its own spin on those type of classic sitcom tropes. Which made it more enjoyable, I think, than other shows of the era. I mean, Seinfeld did a lot of those things, too. But Seinfeld followed the... For a show about nothing, it followed a formula that was much more traditional. Whereas Cheers, I mean, you could have an emotional roller coaster. You could laugh your ass off. It was... It it moved all around the spectrum Mm -hmm. inside of the sitcom formula. True. And and I think, uh, too... With, you know, with your comparison to Seinfeld, Seinfeld always kind of took a more cynical approach to those same tropes. Like, they, they would do the same stuff, but it was always from a more cynical point of view, uh, as Jerry tends to be. Whereas, you know, uh, Cheers was able to do so still in that kind of lighthearted, yeah. in, enjoyable fashion. I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I mean... Some of some of the other things that I I remember about the show, um, you know, each of the characters had their own things that were going on. You know, it was very much an ensemble show. And as the show kind of went on and people started getting, I don't know if it was the writers or the audience or both got a little bit bored with Sam and whatever his emotional relationships were and things like that. They started focusing on some of the other characters. Like the relationship between Cliff and his mother is hilarious. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, and he lives with his mother and then she moves to Florida for a while and he gets his own place and then she moves back and then he has to put her in like a retirement home and all this stuff. He also has this really weird obsession with vegetables that look like celebrities. Um, (laughs) Woody, I think, is a really interesting character. You know, he's he's from Hanover, Indiana, and doesn't know much of anything besides pigs and corn and stuff like that. But he ends up 
dating this girl um, named Kelly. What is Kelly? Kelly Gaines. She is like from a very, very old money family in Boston. And it's funny because both both of them are equally clueless. You know, they're just clueless for opposite reasons because she's always had money, never had to think about anything. And he's always lived in the country, never had to think about anything. Um, they have kind of a cute relationship. And at one point, Woody and Frazier get to talking about stuff. And Frazier makes some comment about like sarcastically how Woody should run for, for city council. And so he does. And he ends up getting elected. Um, you know, <laughs> go figure. Um, Carla and Eddie Lebeck, I think, is a really interesting story uh, line as well. So um, as, as discussed earlier, Eddie is a fictional goalie for the Boston Bruins. And then he and Carla start going out. And it's funny because basically as soon as they start getting freaky, um, he starts playing <laughs> really, really badly um, and eventually gets cut from the Bruins. And then he turns into like this deadbeat, which is kind of Carla's M.O. And she feels terrible. But then he finds a job as a touring skater for like some production on ice, which sounds like really awesome, you know, like Disney on ice or something like that. But he's like a penguin. And it's like a really terrible kid show where like kids are always throwing popcorn and crap at him. And he ends up getting run over by a Zamboni and dies. And yep. like, it's like the worst way to write a character off the show. And I thought it was the best way to write a character off the show. And they go to, to the be f- honest, that's the only episode I remember about him. <laughs> and then they, they have the, uh, it, so Carla's there and the minister or whatever asks, you know, if, if, the widow wants to have any last words or come up and make some statements and her and another woman walk up at the same time. And that's kind of where the whole episode goes is like, apparently he was living a, a double life while he was on the road. Um, and it's like, man, Eddie deserved better than this. Yeah. But, but, but Carla had her way with a lot of different guys. Um, I don't know if he had two wives, death by Zamboni might have been a little, you know, <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. With, with Rhea Perlman as one wife and then another one on the side, maybe he laid down in front of the Zamboni. <laughs> <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine two wives or, you know, let alone a wife and a girlfriend. How would you keep track of everything? Yeah, yeah. That sounds like, I mean, it's wrong for a lot of different reasons, but from a time management perspective, <laughs> how do you fulfill your life? <laughs> Uh, I'll do the deep dive here. It's the good life of the skating penguin, I suppose, you know. Um, he, he's got his mind elsewhere. So, um, so Cheers was in this basement in Boston, and directly upstairs was one of the nicest restaurants in Boston called Melville's. Um, the guy who runs it, his name is John Allen Hill, and he's this little bald Monopoly guy-looking sort of dude. Just super snobby and irritating, and Sam hates him, but... Eventually, he and Carla hook up, and that's kind of an on and off thing where they just like they throw barbs at one another, basically, and then that kind of does it for them. So, kind of like you were saying earlier, Adam, with uh, with Sam and Diane, like saying a whole bunch of terrible things to each other, and that leading to some some chemistry. Apparently, that worked with Carla and <laughs> and John Hill too. Um, well, and you mentioned that uh, that restaurant. I always thought that was a pretty funny little gimmick that they had. 
uh, going on early in the show. I don't, I don't know because I've only, I don't remember watching much past that, uh, past like season two or so. But uh, one of the little tropes that they had going on throughout it was uh, they didn't have a bathroom at Cheers, so if they ever wanted to use the bathroom, they had to go upstairs to the nice restaurant, but you're required to wear blazer or jacket. Oh, yep. yep. <laughs> so they'd always have to borrow. They had like a jacket on a hook that you'd have to borrow to go up to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and then, you know, kind of the last one I wanted to bring up is Rebecca's character. Um, her and Sam, they, she she basically, from, from the from the onset is not interested. You're not getting with me. Like that's just not going to happen. And you know, there is chemistry and some close calls and things like that, but they both decide that they're better friends, but as friends, they decide they want to have a baby together. And that's a really, really weird storyline as well. (laughs) Um, that I don't really know if America was ready for. Um, but yeah, for like a whole season, that's kind of what they're doing. But then Rebecca also has this kind of gold digger edge to her as well. And she falls in love with this Robin Colcord guy uh, who's played by oh, someone really famous. What is his name? Uh, Roger Reese. Um, so he has been in a lot of different uh, English theater productions. He was on the West Wing. I mean, he's 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 a really, really oh, talented, yeah. accomplished guy. Um but his whole character is he's like this million bazillionaire who's got like private jets and things like that. And and Rebecca just literally like anything that he needs her to do, she'll do. And it, it's it's kind of insulting for how strong of a character she was when she was introduced to be like such a doormat when, when a rich guy's interested. So, <laughs> so you mentioned Roger Reese. I think it would be completely inappropriate not to mention the fact that he was in probably one of the greatest uh like 80s 90s movies ever made and that was uh robin hood men in tights oh yep yep that's where i knew him from but yeah so anyway um i'm just gonna quick bullet through some of these other recurring characters because i think some of them are, are worth mentioning um so you have Nick Tortelli, we already talked about. That's Carla's ex-husband, played by uh, Dan Hedaya. You have Loretta Tortelli, so his new lady, who was played by uh, Jean Kasem, um, so Casey Kasem's wife. Um, oh. She uh, is really, really stupid, like just vapid. Like, <laughs> um, it, it's a fantastic character. Um, and it, of course, drives Carla crazy because she's so strong-willed and stubborn, and this lady is just an airhead. You have Dave Richard. She runs away to Vegas, doesn't she? Uh, yes, yeah. She she joins like a singing group out in Vegas, and she she does some of their choreographed routines in the bar by herself with no music. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fred Dreyer is a former football player who plays Dave Richards, and he's a, a sportscaster. Um, and actually, Fred Dreyer was originally supposed to be Sam Malone, and the owner of the bar oh. was supposed to be a football player. But when they cast Ted Danson, um, his build was much more of a baseball build. So they, they went that route instead. And Fred Dreyer was the star of my other favorite 80s show. Anybody know? Uh, Do not. Saint Hunter. El- oh, I was saying, it wasn't St. Elsewhere. He's definitely not on that. <laughs> I didn't know he was on Hunter. Interesting. He was Hunter. 
Yeah, I, I haven't <laughs> seen it in years, but I mean, I, I can picture it now. That makes sense. Um, you had Margaret O'Keefe, who was played by Annie Golden. Uh, she's Cliff's girlfriend. So Cliff is notoriously known for being super awkward around women. And he finds this woman who the two of them just hit it off right away and it's like a match made in heaven and then she decides she's so i think they're both postal workers and then she decides she's going to take a job with like the the royal canadian postal service or whatever so they they don't see each other for a very long time and she will come back periodically uh from canada for rendezvous and things like that um my favorite character, Andy Andy Schrader, uh, was played by Derek McGrath, and he is a convicted felon. Um, my favorite all-time episode of Cheers, and I'll ask you guys what Cheers are in a little bit, is um, there's an episode called Diane's Perfect Date. It's season one, episode 17. Diane and Sam are talking about, you know, they're going to set each other up with someone they think would be the perfect date for them. And they'll go on a double date and it'll be really nice and, you know, whatever. Well, Sam, for whatever reason, gets the idea that Diane's perfect date for him might be her. And he's like, oh, that's great. You know, this is going to be so wonderful. Like she's really coming around. You know, she's finally starting to see how charming and wonderful I am. Well, then one of Diane's friends shows up and Sam didn't, get a date for Diane because he <laughs> thought that he was going to be going on a date with her. So he grabs the first guy he sees back in the dart room. And it's this guy named Andy who just got out of jail that day for like armed robbery or a homicide or something like that. It's a fantastic episode because he's absolutely crazy. And he reminds me of one of my friends who was in my wedding party. Um, uh, <laughs> That's not very nice to say about him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't tell him until he's off the air. He'll crazy. Um, <laughs> um, there's another episode where he comes back and they're doing Hamlet, I want to say, or Othello. Uh, I can't remember now. Um and he like really tries to kill Diane, um, and it's all part of the play. I, I think it's Othello, and uh, but everyone just thinks they're just acting really well, and that's not the case. Um, a few more of these characters: uh, Gary, he's the owner of Gary's Old Town Tavern. A lot of different people played him over the years. We already talked about Eddie Lebeck, Robin Colcord, uh, Evan Drake was played by Tom Skerritt. Um, he is Rebecca's boss and kind of her first love interest once again very rich powerful guy and he ends up moving to japan to start a different business merger or something like that over there um esther clavin is, is cliff's mom played by francis sternhagen you have kelly Gaines, who ends up becoming woody's girlfriend and then wife played by jackie swanson you have walter Gaines, which is her father played by richard doyle john allen hill played by keen curtis Henri, played by Anthony Castaro, and he's one of Kelly's friends. He's like a foreign exchange student from France, and he always tells Woody that I'm going to get your girlfriend, but does it in a French accent, so it's supposed to be charming. Like, <laughs> I'm going to steal your girlfriend. <laughs> um, you have a bunch of different barflies. Uh, a guy named Tom, played by Tom Babson. Al, played by Al Rosen. Um, Phil, played by Philip Perlman. Yes, Rhea Perlman's father uh, plays Phil. And then you have Paul Crappens, who's played by Paul Wilson. Do you guys know who Paul Wilson is? I do not. No. He is one of the Bobs from Office Space. Oh, nice. 
He's the the shorter, heavy set one because uh, the, the other the, one's played by Doctor Cox. The, so I, can't I was going to say the not Doctor Cox. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's funny because this character he was also named Glenn, Tom, and Greg all at different points in the series. Um, <laughs> But basically, towards the end, they start giving him more lines. And basically, his whole character is, I'm the guy you guys always forget about. I'm the guy that's never included. There's one episode <laughs> where there's a beautiful woman that's interested in him. And Sam can't figure it out. And she he tries to, like, steal her away. And she's not interested in Sam at all. And he's, like, thinking he's living in the Twilight Zone. And apparently, she's a chubby chaser. So... <laughs> And the, the last recurring character I wanted to bring up is a guy named Harry, played by Harry Anderson. And he is a con man and a pickpocket. So the real mm-hmm. Harry Anderson is a magician. Um, he kind of almost looks like Dana Carvey. That's actually who I thought it was initially uh, when I was watching the show. But he, uh, yeah, will like steal people's wallets or steal their, their you know, watches right off their wrist. Um, he's, he's a really interesting character and he kind of pisses a lot of people off but in one of the later episodes he's he's in season one and two a ton and then he doesn't come back until like season 10 and then he uh they really get one over on gary's old town tavern there's a lot of episodes where cheers and the old town tavern are up against each other for bar week and they always pull pranks on each other and gary's old town tavern always gets the best of cheers every single year (laughs) <laughs> Until this one year that Harry really screws them over. But I'm not going to give too much of that away. You got to go watch that one. It's it's too funny for me to spoil. Do you guys have any favorite episodes? I know we've been talking a lot, but um, it's a it's 11 seasons of television. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fitting. <laughs> um, the uh, kind of going back to uh, Harry or was it Gary or Harry? Well, Harry is the, the con artist. The con Gary artist. is the rival bar owner. Okay. Yeah, Harry, uh, going back to him, uh, one of the episodes I really liked was from season one, um, and I had it pulled up a minute ago and I lost it, but it was the episode where he comes in and is conning uh, Coach on uh, Gin. Oh, yep. (laughs) Like the card game Gin. And if I remember correctly, that's one of the episodes where the, the barflies get real mad at Harry for you know conning coach who's obviously known for being a little simple and you know uh very trusting i guess of uh people and stuff so he doesn't know he's getting taken advantage of uh but that was that was a really good episode you know it was funny had some really good points but it also highlighted you know some good acting between coach and it, like you said who wasn't necessarily like a traditional actor um, and some of the other characters, uh, like Cliff and, and Norm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, Paul? Well, um, if I can't choose the Zamboni death... You certainly can. <laughs> I thought it was a bad way to write a character up, but if you liked it, that's why they wrote but it. it was still funny. It is funny. It is funny. Um, my favorite actual episode is probably the one where Diane leaves the show, where they're going to get married and then she leaves. Yeah. And part of why that's my favorite episode is because it's not where you thought it was going. At least me, who didn't read TV Guide to know that Shelley Long was leaving the show. Yeah. It's not where I thought it was going, so it was very shocking. And it was... it was Cheers for me started when I... I, I always watched it in syndication. I never watched it new. Mm-hmm. And 
like I said earlier, it was the show that I had to watch before The Wonder Years, and then finally The Simpsons were on. <laughs> Over time, I kind of got into it, and as I got older, I started to understand more of what was going on. And then when that episode happened, that was the first moment in TV where I could think of that happening in a show where like a power couple split up and it was truly the end. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. And it's it sort of stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely a definitely a good one. And I, I agree. Um because they had so many back and forth. It's like, okay, well, next season she's gonna be back. She has to be back. And then she didn't come back. And it's like, wow, that's it's that's it. It's done. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't come back till the last season, right? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of a funny exchange as well because Sam wants to convince Diane that he's married and has gotten past her and you know she shows up with her husband and they're talking about all their kids and all this stuff and so of course he has to one up her on everything and it turns out that both of them are doing that neither of them are married neither of them have any kids both of them are still single since you know she left all those all those years ago there's another really great episode where cliff writes a joke for johnny carson um (laughs) i love that one and he like he reads it wrong and like thinks it's stupid and cliff gets pissed and leaves and his mom like basically like belittles and berates johnny until he gets the joke right and then everyone (laughs) and then everyone thinks it's pretty funny and then um He's watching it like on the closed circuit TV out in the lobby. He's like, "Oh, Ma, you're getting them, yeah." <laughs> you show that. You show Johnny. Um, it's so funny. My other favorite episode, other than Diane's perfect date, was the episode "The Heart Is a Lonely Snipe Hunter," um, and that was season three, episode fourteen. Basically, Frazier um, hears that all the guys are going on this fishing trip. And he wasn't invited. And so Diane is like, come on, guys. Like, you have to invite him. So this is when they're dating. And she's like, yeah, you got to invite Frazier. And at this point, nobody really likes Frazier. He's this pompous PhD asshole that hangs out in the bar and is dating Diane. Um, so they all go out fishing. And then they tell him that, like, he needs to go hunt these snipes, which a snipe hunt is a fool's errand, right? I mean, it's 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 a prank that you play on somebody um, you know, there is no thing called a snipe. I guess there technically is a bird called a snipe, but it's a very different animal than what they're sending him out to look for. So mm-hmm. they all come back to the bar and are having drinks and enjoying, you know, a laugh at his expense. And he's out there like all night like, looking for this damn thing. Um, <laughs> it's a really funny episode, but it kind of, it brings Kelsey Grammer's like acting chops to another level because he was kind of a one dimensional. I'm the male interest of the female lead basically and now all of a sudden it's like i'm a character in my own right too so mm-hmm. but anyway that's uh that's basically everything that i could possibly talk about with cheers for uh for now <laughs> <laughs> so, so one last thing i was thinking of you you were talking about the zamboni death again a minute ago it made me think what would be a worse way for a character to be written off the zamboni death or death by licking stamps like Susan in Seinfeld. Oh, Cyphoke. man, that's a good point. That's a good point. 
or wow. Rand, Randy going to Costa Rica on home improvement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at least his like kind of had a little bit of uh... Eric Foreman going to Africa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at least those like made a little bit of sense. Like death by Zamboni and death by licking stamp are pretty bad. Like, but she was yeah. killing independent George. <laughs> she was. <laughs> Uh, and apparently she also was not fun to work with for the uh, cast members, which is why she wasn't on the show anymore. <laughs> and that's what I heard. Yeah, she was not pleasant to be around. So anyway, yeah. So uh, I guess that wraps up our discussion on Sam Malone and the gang at Cheers. Now we are moving on to Nostalgia Covet! Nostalgia Covet! <laughs> We have devised a trivia question. I should say I have, but I have devised a trivia question for my co-host to answer. Whoever is closest will just not be as wrong as the other guy. (laughs) (laughs) Are you guys ready? Let's do it. Always. All right, wonderful. Um, So there is an episode um, where Carla makes up this batch of drinks it's like her signature cocktail and they're extremely strong um, and everybody gets wasted and hung over and she suspects that her and Cliff who they basically have like a brother and sister like love each other hate each other kind of relationship um, she suspects that they may have slept together and she's just mortified about this and is so embarrassed so Sam to show her that she doesn't need to be embarrassed says that he has a really big secret too. And there's no way it can be as big as this. And then he, um, removes his hair piece and the perfect haired Sam Malone actually has a bald spot on the back of his head. When did this episode air? Uh, are you talking year or like exact date? Exact date. So um, the show the ran. The show ran from <laughs> 1982 to 1993. So you at least have those parameters to work within. All right. So when was Three Men and a Little Lady? I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna throw out my guess. Uh, I'm gonna say February 14th, um, 1989. Okay. I am going to say. April 1st, 1991. All right. So the correct date for this episode's release was April 29, 1993. So Paul is actually closer. Um, The tiebreaker had there would have been one was what was the name of this episode? Good God. Why the would... one with the hairpiece? <laughs> <laughs> why, why did you make this one so difficult? Jeez. It's our finale, man, <laughs> for this season. <laughs> this is, uh, it was called It's Lonely on the Top. <laughs> so, Well, there you have it. Paul got the question right. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, unfortunately, since neither of us have topics, I guess there really isn't much of a prize. 
So the joke's on you. (laughs) (laughs) In some way, we're all winners. So um, thank you guys again for joining us on Dating Ourselves. We'll be back in a few weeks where we'll be reselecting new topics. um, And we'll have some other type of um, less uh, research-based topic to to have that episode cover. Not really sure what that's going to be yet, but uh, we're going to arm wrestle about it and see what happens. So (laughs) thanks again for joining us on Dating Ourselves, guys, and we look forward to the rest of 2020. And if you like what you heard, there's more to come. Check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show. And check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic topics. You can send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've We've got got mail. mail. In addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever podcasts are downloaded. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the throwback shit. We post additional content on Facebook at facebook.com slash datingourselvespodcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at datingourselvespodcast. And we do the Twitter thing too, at datedpodcast. And remember, two wives bad, Zamboni death good. (laughs) Hasta la vista. Later, guys. Be sure to pay your bar, (laughs) Tim.